welcome to this week's edition of The Lineout. Uh, this week we'll be talking about a general theme of uh, as we head into uh, the November Autumn International Window. Uh, the two tests that have kind of happened at the end of October in a sense that they fall outside of the established test window. And it's kind of raised the, the question, were these tests uh, happening a bit too soon? And as a result, um, did they therefore lose a bit of meaning? So I think the first question uh, gets addressed in the sense of last weekend's test, uh, New Zealand against the USA. 104 to 14. Um, I, I have real trouble with saying that there was much point to that test. Um, let's, let's do it very, very objectively and say that I think for the players involved, for the American players involved, uh, I don't want to discredit their performance. You know, I thought they put in a pretty gutsy performance. They were completely and utterly outclassed. But, you know, all credit to them that they never actually looked like giving up. Um, and they even scored two tries, two, two solid tries. Um, you know, I, I thought particularly scrum half that Nate Osberger guy, I've rated him quite highly for quite a while. So it was great to see that. And I thought, you know, in that sense, um, the test was worth playing. It obviously meant a great deal to those American players. Um, you know, they're struggling to to qualify for the World Cup. That may be one of the few chances some of those guys will ever get to to play a side like New Zealand. And, you know, for every rugby player who harbors ambitions of a test career, that's that's right up there. So, yeah, the scoreline was pretty unflattering. Um, and, you know, at one point, New Zealand was scoring almost once every four minutes and not just like a penalty goal, but like, you know, a try. So to keep your spirits up in that kind of environment shows some real character. So I, I, I have to take my hat off to the American players and say, you know, put aside the scoreline. I think you guys accounted for yourselves very well. But take away from that and look at the larger picture and you really have to question why that test was played. Um, now, here's an American side that's kind of struggling right now. They're, they're in jeopardy as to whether or not they're going to qualify for the World Cup. Uh, they're at an all-time low in terms of confidence. They have to play the best, arguably the best side in the world um, without uh, all their European-based players. So you're, you're asking a team that's already you know, suffering from a crisis of confidence to go out onto a pitch in front of a home crowd against the best team in the world with one tied, one hand tied behind their back. Um, you know, New Zealand had no, no such constraints. And okay, they didn't necessarily roll out their A side, but, you know, even a C side in New Zealand can pretty well beat most, well, it can annihilate most tier two teams. Um, so, you know, how really fair was that? And, you know, as an advertisement for rugby in North America, when the game in, is, is in crisis on the continent, both in the States and especially here in Canada, that's not going to, that's not going to get, want, want to get people on the bandwagon and say, hey, let's get into rugby. That's something we really want to support because that's something 
you know, we can be competitive on an international stage. No, that, that was a terrible advertisement for it. Um, it, it was just awful, uh, just just truly awful. So you really have to question the powers that be that agreed to that, both in USA Rugby and in, in the New Zealand setup. I mean, clearly it was a cash grab, um, and that's all that can really be said for it. You know, I, I think it, all of us are... are are in favor of, of sides, you know, like the states and lower tier sides getting exposure to the big teams, but but at least do it on a mildly fair playing field. That wasn't even remotely fair. So in short, like I say, all credit to those American boys. I thought they played, you know, you know, they played out of their skins and they they did the best they could in in a in a situation where they were yeah, they were hopelessly outgunned, hopelessly outclassed. But, you know, they played with pride, and I think we should all respect them for that and give them credit for that. But as for the test as a whole, no, I, I don't think that game should have been played. I I don't like it, and I don't think it's the way that we should uh, further the international game. So enough said of that, and then you could argue you have a similar situation this weekend. You got Wales taking on New Zealand. And again, this test falls outside the test window. Um, and, you know, uh, New Zealand are on tour anyway. It's the, the, all their players are available to them, so they don't have those constraints. But Wales does. They've got a couple of key players um, who are unavailable because of, of club duty in England. You know, like Louis Rees-Samet, Dan Bigger, to, to name a few. So... Again, you know, I'm not quite sure how New Zealand and the Welsh Rugby Union agreed to this. Obviously, it's a cash cash cow. Um, you know, you're going to get the punters into the Principality Stadium in Cardiff. But, you know, how much of a fair contest is it going to be? It's, it's not obviously on the same level as the US and, and New Zealand. It's a lot more of a level playing field. And, you know, this is actually not a bad Welsh team that's running out on Saturday. We'll go through it more in detail. But... Um, yeah, you know, I just think, you know, if you're going to play New Zealand, you should be allowed to have all your players available. So, you know, pick another team that does have their players available when you're playing these games outside the established November window. So anyway, enough said, we'll, um, you know, like I say, I don't think the Wales, New Zealand case is as severe as the US, New Zealand case, but it, it's still, you know, I think some of well, Wales to a certain degree having to also play slightly with their hands tied. But also, again, you know, looking at, across the broader picture, um, you know, Scotland have kind of got the same issue against Tonga this weekend. Um, but, you know, it's it's Tonga. It's, and again, no disrespect to Tonga, a great team, but, you know, a B-side Scotland team against Tonga is, is, is a fair contest. Um, so I can't really argue with that. I mean, looking at that that game, the only thing I actually really question is uh, Blair Kinghorn getting uh, getting the berth at uh, starting fly half. When um, yeah, if you ask me, um, a guy who's really catching people's attention is uh, Russell Thompson over at Glasgow Warriors. Um, you know, he's had a cracking season so far with in the AR in the URC. And, uh, yeah, really, really surprised to um, not see him get a spot 
against Tonga, uh, the starting berth. I mean, he's on the bench, but yeah. And Kinghorn, you know, Kinghorn is not, he's not really a, um, he's not really a, a fly half. He's a, he's a winger at a fullback at best. Uh, his goal kicking is pretty sketchy. Whereas, um, you know, in, in, in Thompson's case, he's, he's a good goal kicker. Um, so yeah, I, I really don't understand Townsend's logic. I mean, something that Townsend seems to do, he just seems to make a selection and he throws something in there that kind of throws everybody for a loop. Uh, why he does that? I don't know, but, um, yeah, I, I would have certainly preferred to see Ross Thompson. Uh, sorry, I kept calling him Russell Thompson, but Ross Thompson uh, in in uh, in the starting fly half berth. So yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, that should be an interesting game. But as for Wales and New Zealand, uh, oh, and the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, you know a lot of talk's been made of it, but um, Australia on tour uh, after they left Japan. A very good game last weekend. I really, really enjoyed that. That was a that was a proper test match. Um, but it's really interesting. Japan are touring, and they have available to them all their club players who are playing in the J- Japan Domestic League, and yet three key Australian players have decided that they're not available. I don't really understand that one. Uh, is that just there's money involved and they got, uh, they decided to rest ahead of the, the players in question, Quade Cooper, Samu Karevi and Sean McMahon. They decided to rest before the start of the Japanese season. Uh, and they put club before country. That's still technically not the way the game or their whole rationale behind our game is it's, it's country first club second. Um, and like I say, I find it kind of ironic that Japan, can field all their players who also have club commitments in Japan, yet the foreign players can't. Uh, there's, yeah, I don't know if that's the choice by the players themselves or the clubs. It's a bit of a gray area. And if it is a choice by the players, then I would say it's slightly hypocritical. But uh, and especially in the case of Quade Cooper, you know, it, it once again goes back to, well, you know, it's all about me. So we'll see. Good player he is. But uh, Wales and New Zealand, I think this is going to be a good test. Um, I do agree, like most people, uh, that, um, you know, New Zealand are the hands down favorites to win it. Uh, I don't think there's there's too much doubt there. But um, I don't think it's a bad Welsh side. And I think actually Wales, as some people are saying, well, will really enjoy the fact that everybody's written them off already before the the games even started, because in a way, essentially that takes all the pressure off them. Whereas New Zealand, there's quite a bit of pressure on them. I think, um, you know, obviously the, the, the game last weekend, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't produce any pressure, but you know, they, they've just come off the back of a loss to uh, South Africa and a very tight, game with South Africa prior to that, which they just narrowly won. So, you know, there's chinks in the old black armor that are being exposed and people are being quite critical of. Um, so New Zealand is the side under pressure on, on you know, on, on Saturday. They need to really lay down a marker ahead of two very big tests against Ireland and France. Um, and they need to show that whatever weaknesses got exposed during the rugby championship, uh, they've dealt with 
But I, I think this Welsh side's going to uh, going to test those weaknesses. Like I say, I, I don't think it's a particularly bad side. Is it the best side Wales could field? No, absolutely not. Uh, is it the best side New Zealand could could field? Close to it. Um, but if you know if the Welsh boys can hold their heads, uh, it's in the Principality Stadium. You know, this is the, the first big international test with a crowd at, at the Principality, not counting the summer tests uh, against Argentina and Canada. But, you know, this is the, the first big, big test um, in the Principality with, with a full crowd. And, you know, as anybody who knows who's been there, it gets pretty noisy in there. And that adds a certain, you know, that Welsh crowd in the Principality, that's a 16th man. And New Zealand are going to have to be cognizant of that. And... Uh, you know, I think one of the things we saw in the rugby championship, you put scoreboard pressure on New Zealand, they're not comfortable. They're not happy. Um, and Wales could do that on, on Saturday, you know. And, uh, you know, although the all-black machine in the last 20 years has seemed invincible, particularly on these these November tours, you know, hark back to, to 1978 when a Munster side, a lowly Irish provincial side, and I don't say that in any disrespect to Munster. I'm a huge Irish rugby fan, as everybody knows, um, and Munster are, are not a lowly province. But, you know, up against the All Blacks, yeah, you know, that's it's a bit of a mismatch. But, yeah, they beat the All Blacks. So, you know, hopefully the Welsh boys have watched a couple of, of, of highlights of that game. And, and, you know, they're going in as the underdogs. And, uh, you know, it's David and Goliath. Um, and let's, let's have a crack. So yeah, who knows what's going to happen on Saturday? Like I say, the, the odds on it's New Zealand's game to lose. And I think that's the correct assumption, but, uh, I certainly don't think it's going to be a whitewash and I think it's going to be a lot more competitive than, than many people are thinking. Looking at that, uh, looking at the lineups, looking at that front row, uh, Wynn Jones, Thomas Francis as props, Ryan. Elias gets uh, gets a go as the the starting uh, hooker for Wales, and he's up against Cody Taylor. Um, you know, it's a good New Zealand front row: Joe Moody and Nepo Lalala on on as props. I think both are playing well at the moment, but Cody Taylor at hooker, I'd say the pressure's all on him on Saturday. Um, you know, there's no getting away. There, there's no denying he's a quality player through and through, but I think that, um, he, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't think he's been as polished as he could be, uh, this season. And I think we saw that in the rugby championship. So, you know, as a lot of his work in the set pieces is not as, as tight as it could be, uh, especially come line out time. And, you know, when you got a guy like Dane Coles breathing down his neck for that starting berth for the number two jersey, uh, you know, the pressure's all going to be on on Taylor. And that may well play nicely into the hands of Elias, who essentially is under no pressure by comparison. So we'll see. Uh, second row, Ellen Wynn-Jones, Adam Beard for Wales. Uh, Beard seems to be uh, the flavor of the month, uh, certainly as far as Welsh, Welsh coach Wayne Pivak is concerned. And he seems to have earned it. You know, he had a good Six Nations, good Lions tour. I was very much a doubter of him for a long, long time. But yeah, he seems to have stepped up to the plate and is a good solid option for Wales. Alwyn Jones, I mean, 
the stuff of legends. Uh, you know, that injury against Japan where he dislocated his shoulder in the opening Lions game. And then four weeks later, he makes a miraculous recovery and goes full physical contact against the most physical side in the world, the Springboks. I know what that guy's made of, but it's some pretty special stuff. Um, and, you know, I think that's the thing, you know, with, with when Jones, I, you know, he's not as quick, you know, you can start to see now that that age is starting to uh, come into play. But he's still such a huge figure on the pitch for Wales, that especially with the younger guys, you know, he's such a talisman for them. So, yeah. And in terms of just staying power, man, you got to take take your hat off to that guy. But, you know, it's a pretty ferocious uh, second row as well for New Zealand. Sam Whitelock, Brody Retallick, that's that's quality through and through. It doesn't get much better than that. Um I think the only concern is I've noticed Ritalik. I mean, he's playing well, but he's also giving away a lot of penalties. And that's, yeah, it's really surprised me this year. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on uh, on Saturday. In the back rows, it's an all Dragons back row for uh, Wales. Uh, interesting, you know, the Dragons have been up and down so far in the URC. But there's definitely some promise there. Um, you got Ross Moriarty and... And then uh, making a, a debut at start, not a debut for Wales, but making a, a debut as a starter in the back row, Tane Basham. He's looked good, I have to admit. He he has looked good. Um, and he's up against Ethan Blackadder, who is also a, a work in progress for New Zealand. So that's going to be a really interesting contest between those two. Um, both needing some work to develop, but both definitely marker boards for the future. Ross Moriarty, I think he's a huge discipline problem for, for Wales. I think he's a huge liability in that department. Um, yeah, we'll have to watch that one. Aaron Wainwright uh, completes the picture at number eight with uh, Mr. Whirlwind for New Zealand, uh, Artie Savia, who, uh, yeah, as, as we all know, Artie Savia is a legend. Uh, he is one of my favorite test rugby players, plain and simple um powerhouse of a man uh inspirational guy on the pitch uh he's not wearing the captain's armband uh for this match that's uh with with sam whitelock but yeah he's gonna be a handful for aaron wayne wainwright um who for me blows hot and cold uh one game he's fantastic the next game he's a disaster so we'll see what we get out of him on saturday uh in the halfbacks you got thomas williams and gareth anscombe uh, both, I think, markers for uh, a life without uh, Reese Webb and Gareth Davies and Dan Bigger. Um, Dan Bigger definitely needs an understudy uh, and quickly. Um, so, you know, Gareth Anscombe makes a return from, from injury. You got Reese Priestland on the bench, uh, but I don't think Priestland has got too much more life left in him in terms of the Welsh cause. So it's great to see Anscombe back. I really rate the guy. Um, you know, I think he's a solid playmaker and he's a good goal kicker. Thomas Williams, uh, I think he's the future for, for Wales at scrum half. Very, very exciting player. Um, for New Zealand, TJ Perinard, Bowden Barrett. I mean, obviously the clash between Anscombe and Barrett's going to be really interesting. Uh, you know, I think Barrett's the much clever player but you know if it degenerates into a kicking contest for uh 
kicking for goal because of penalties, then my money's on Anscombe because Barrett has just not been reliable with the boot when it comes to uh, kicking for the posts. I mean, he has got his brother, Jordy Barrett, in the back, at fullback, to, to back him up in that department. So it'll be interesting to see how New Zealand use those two in that respect. Um, but TJ Perinara, you know, a lot of criticism of him lately, and I think, to be honest, fairly justified. Um, I think New Zealand's long-term future as uh, the number two guy uh, backing up Aaron Smith is uh, Brad Weber who is uh, on the bench for this match. So I think there's going to be a huge... Perinar is going to be under pressure. And I've noticed when he's under pressure, he doesn't perform that well. Um, gives away silly penalties, far too much chirping of the referee. I know that's a scrum half's job, but uh, I think he takes it a little bit too far at times. And I just don't think he has the kind of eye for space and opportunity that either Smith or uh, Weber has. So, you know, a performance from him on Saturday. And I think you could definitely see him ending up on the back burner in terms of New Zealand looking forward regards to scrum half position. Uh, out wide on the wings for uh, Wales, Josh Adams, known commodity, Lion. Uh, he should have had a lot more say in the Lions tour. He didn't. Uh, he'll be up against Will Jordan, who is uh, New Zealand's live wire. Uh, also very, very exciting player. And actually two players who are very, who play very much the same way. So that's going to be a fascinating contest. And then a guy I really like, Owen Lane, up against uh, Rico Ioanni. I really rate Owen Lane. He's a big, physical, bruising winger. He's more like a center than a winger. Um, and it's, yeah, he's, he's the business. You know, he's devastating with ball in hand, but he's also pretty solid on defense. So I think he's going to be a match for Yuani, who uh, you know can also play center and and maybe physically wise the, the two of them are an even match. But yeah, I would watch Owen Lane. He's definitely a guy to watch. I, I've enjoyed watching him play in the URC. Um, really big, powerful, strong, fast ball carrier who takes some real stopping. So yeah, if he gets put into space, uh, Yuani's going to have his work cut out, and I don't think Yuani's that strong defensively so we'll see in the centers johnny williams jonathan davies uh lots of talk about johnny williams um from the scarlets i gotta admit i just haven't seen that much from the scarlets so far this season the urc to get get excited um about uh williams or davies i think davies is sadly past his sell-by date, and Williams hasn't really done much for Scarlets in the centers that's really stood out for me. And then lastly, uh, you know, you're keeping with the, the Scarlets, obviously Wayne Pivak, a former Scarlets coach. He, he knows what goes on there at, at the academy, and he's picking Scarlets players, I guess. Johnny McNichol, a lot of excitement about him at fullback. Um, yeah, jury's, jury's out for me still so far. And in New Zealand for the centers, David Havili, Anton Leonard Brown. I think that's a pretty solid pairing. I think it's Havili, if anything, of the two of them who needs to pull his, his straps up a bit. Uh, he's kind of being exposed on on a fair few occasions and uh, during the course of the rugby championship. Uh, Leonard Brown needs to make no apologies. He's on on form. But yeah, Havili, I think uh, Havili's a concern for New Zealand. 
And then lastly, Jordy Barrett uh, at fullback for New Zealand. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I think it's going to be really interesting to see the interplay between him and his brother as to who takes the goal-kicking duties. Uh, Jordy seems to be a lot more effective. Uh, so you just keep Barrett as the playmaker and uh, Jordy as the goal-kicker. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, I do think, uh, I think Jordy Barrett's had quite a bit of criticism Uh of late, I I can't really fault too much uh, of what he's doing. Uh, occasionally wobbly under the high ball, um, so it'll be interesting whether Wales seek to target that. But uh, yeah, I think he's a pretty effective, pretty effective at shoring up the back for for New Zealand. On the benches, I'm still not rating New Zealand's uh, front row replacements of um, Takayo uh, Tunakafi and Tyrrell Lomax. Obviously, King Carl. We all know him, love him dearly, good player. But I'm just not seeing that replacement front row really, really gel at the moment. Um, with Wales, it's for me, it's a complete, almost completely unknown front row replacement. So I guess you'd have to hand it to New Zealand in that department. Um, Will Rollins uh, for Wales in the second row. Um, you know... Also, again, bringing in the Dragons. I'd say more up than down for the Dragons. Uh, Seb Davies also as well. Don't know too much about him. Um, haven't seen too much of his, his play with Cardiff. New Zealand, Tupovai, Akira Yuani. Those are both top-notch replacements. Um, Tupovai, I thought, was, was looking pretty good uh, as the rugby championship progressed. Um, and Akira Yuani... You know, I think he's he needs to put a bit more effort in occasionally. That was some of the criticisms leveled at him during the rugby championship. But there's obviously zero doubt about his quality as a player. Um, and then with New Zealand, wow, those those last three, um, that's looking pretty ferocious. You've got. Uh, Brad Weber at Scrum Half, who I've already talked about. I think he is the future number two for New Zealand in the nine jersey. Uh, Richie Moanga needs absolutely zero introduction. Uh, that's going to make it a tough day at the office for Reese Priestland and Gareth Hanscom with Barrett and Moanga, you know, backing each other up. Uh, Barrett comes off, Moanga comes on, or, you know, Barrett goes to fullback, Moanga stays on. It's scary, scary combination. And then lastly, Severis. Well, we all know what he can do out wide. Um, for Wales, it's Gareth Davies, Reese Priestland. You know, Gareth Davies, I think, is a solid scrum half. I've always rated him higher than Reese Webb. Um, and Reese Priestland, we've already talked about, good player, but maybe, I don't know, uh, perhaps not Wales long, a long term Welsh option. And then Ben Thomas um, as an inside centre. He's currently with Cardiff. I don't know too much about him. Um, I have seen some of the games where Cardiff has fared well. He's he's played a big part in it. So, yeah. Um, but I think overall, bench-wise, it's hands down uh, in favor of New Zealand. That's a pretty scary-looking uh, New Zealand bench. So, yeah. In short, is it a test too soon? Well, we'll only know that on Saturday. Um I think to a certain degree it is, um, you know, a Wales, New Zealand test is always something to be, to be cherished. 
Uh, it's a great rivalry uh, between two quality sides, and Wales should have at their disposal the best possible side they can field, uh, especially at home. So, yeah, I, I think I think the timing of the test is unfortunate, but I still think it's going to be a contest worth watching. And don't count Wales out. Uh, I think that would be a big mistake. And New Zealand certainly won't count them out. Um, and consequently, as a result, just looking at that overall team sheet for New Zealand, it's the stronger side by a fairly considerable margin. But, you know, with a guy like Wynne Jones as a talisman on the pitch, you know, the crowd going absolutely nuts in the principality, some good Welsh players uh, who got good heads on their shoulders. Who knows? Hopefully it will not be a test too soon. And hopefully uh, we'll, have all, we'll all be talking about this on Sunday as, as a game we all thoroughly enjoyed, no matter what the scoreline. So take care, everyone. Enjoy the rugby this weekend. Uh, I see Dazen is back in the fold here in Canada broadcasting rugby. There's also the premier sports option for both games, Scotland-Tonga and uh, Wales-New Zealand. All details over on the TV page on the rugbylineout.com, as well as a look at uh, some of the talking points coming out of the Wales-New Zealand game this Saturday. Anyway, take care, everyone. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon.